0: Hi, I'm Rachel Cook. I'm the founder of Seeds, and you're listening to the App Guy Podcast. The App Guy Podcast. Straight
1: from your host, Paul, the App Guy. Welcome to another episode of the App Guy Podcast. I'm your host, it's Paul Kemp. I'm here today. I've got a wonderful guest. I've been fascinated by wine for many years. And I have the uh, the founder of Vivinio, which is the world's largest wine app. Uh, his name is Heini Zacharyson, uh, and he's with us here to talk through his story of Vivinio and what we can learn from him. So, Heini, welcome to the App Guy podcast.
0: Thank you very much. Very pleased to be here.
1: I was looking at um, Vivinio, and, uh, and it said that you sold $40 million worth of wine last year. Uh, it's incredibly successful and you're the world's largest wine app. Let's let's talk through how you got started. Do you remember when you where you were and what you were doing when you first thought of the idea for the app?
0: Uh, definitely, yes. So it's, um, I really believe in trying to solve problems for myself, and, and I I was somebody who really loved wine, but didn't really know anything about wine. I was, you know, I'm actually from the Faroe Islands, and uh, there wasn't a lot of wine when I grew up, and I started to get interested in that, and... I just didn't have a clue. I just had this wall of wine in a supermarket and thought, what the heck do I pick here? Uh, so I personally, for me, I wanted to solve that problem. You know, I felt really stupid there. And well, if I was going to watch a movie, I was going to go to Internet Movie Database or uh, Rotten Tomato, read a book, I'll get a review somewhere else. But apparently with wine, there was no real solution. Um, so our first idea was like, hey, we should do a website with all this data in here. Um, But the timing was so good that at the same time, like the the smartphones came along, uh, the app store launched and we said, no, no, this this is what we need to do. If you can stand there in the supermarket, take a picture of the wine label, get the rating, everything, we would have a fantastic use case.
1: You know, it's reminding me of my uh, previous career. I was in uh, investment banking and uh, I used to hang around the one of the world's uh, biggest investors in in wine and beer, and he had the best job in the world. He would basically go and uh, just drink wine and beer and invest in companies. Uh, but the, the, there's such a huge uh, interest in, in wine. Do you feel like your app is is helping people make smarter choices then uh, about the wine and being, being more informed?
0: Exactly. That, that's really what we want. We want to create more um, transparency for everybody. Uh, we're not necessarily trying to help the people that really know a lot about wine, we want to be the app for everyone. everyone who drinks wine and loves wine. That's what we want to be. And yes, that's we really think we do that. And we have a database that is so incredibly big. So if you go down to your local Tesco there in, uh, in London somewhere, we'll basically have a rating of every single wine out there.
1: So, so, Heine, this show helps uh, app entrepreneurs, uh, those that do side projects or start their own company or business uh, to do with apps. Now, it's an idea that I'm sure a lot of uh, the apps to Tribe Listening will will have possibly thought of, you know, when the iPhone came out, this this needs to have a, 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 an app for wine. But you actually took that idea and made it a reality. So I'd love to kind of walk through how uh, you, you had the idea, but how you actually made This happened because it seems like an enormous task to take your idea and make it a reality. What did you learn along the way then to trying to get this this phone on the app store and make it a success?
0: Good, uh, good question. Um, I think first of all, you got to have a real world problem that is big enough. Like, I need to have a problem that I'm gonna want to take the phone out of my pocket and actually solve. So that's like a super basic thing that, that you need to have in place. And um, as soon as you've identified that, try and focus like crazy on building like, the smallest possible thing that gets you to solve that problem. Uh, don't try and do many things, just find out what is the problem. For us, uh, we found out that what was missing was data. Like people didn't know anything about these wines, they didn't have any ratings. So build the simplest possible app you can do and then try and fill data in there. Uh, and, and then, you know, one thing which is really part of our, our philosophy is like release quickly like get the app out there and listen to what people say. Don't try and build the perfect app uh, because if you try to build the perfect app it's gonna take you five times more time and you actually don't know what you're doing because it's not till it comes in front of real people, real users uh, you will know hey this is the right thing to build so release quickly it can be buggy in the beginning that is fine just fix things fast. So for us, it was all about that, you know, building, listening to the user and improving it all the time.
1: I love the fact that you've mentioned some long running themes on this show and uh, solving a problem for yourself that's a real world problem that's big enough to to be attractive to you. That's definitely one theme. And focusing on the data though is is something we haven't talked about too much, but certainly uh, getting feedback from users seems like v- very valuable and, and, you know, has been uh, some long running uh, feedback we've had uh, from various founders. So, so I'd love to know in terms of like when you launched the app, you've you got all this feedback. Was there a particular breakout moment where you thought, yeah, this is going to take off? This is a, a success. Because that's one of the biggest challenges we have is getting the app discovered and, and getting it used by users. Exactly.
0: So, so, so um, what we did, a lot of people tried to do so. So when we launched Divino, there were 600 wine apps in the app store. We were not first moved <laughs> to it. So there were a whole bunch of of, of apps out there. So um, for us, it was that when it's a data, like a long tail data play like this is, then it's just about improving half a percent every single day. So so if, when we launched this app, you know, people scanned a bottle of wine and we knew like 30%. Like we we, we claimed 30 maybe we actually knew 20% of the wines. And then we just had people adding data, adding data. We saw that was the problem. And you know, other apps they just work right away and it's it's amazing. But we had sort of a tipping point that that in the beginning people said, you know, this is interesting. Let's give it another chance. But at some point people used the app and it's like, you know, it actually now it works more often than it doesn't. And then we got more and more. That happened like during 2012 or so. We really started that take that start taking off. And I think that's it's a little bit of a unique thing for a uh, for our app is that it's it's extremely data heavy. And and when I experience it, it's about the one line. So I scan about the line, either it works or it doesn't. And for us, you know, we we couldn't do that. From day one, there was no way there were 10 million. We have 10 million wines in the database now from 200,000 producers. So for us, it was about doing that in the right order. Find out what wines people scan the most, get those guys fixed, and that way we improve the product a little bit more every single day. And I think a lot of the competition didn't have that focus, like relentless focus. On the biggest problem, the biggest
1: challenge, what improves the product the most? So, so Heini, uh, you must have like had some big challenges along the way. And I can imagine, like, it's expensive to build apps, uh, you, you know, and uh, unless you have uh, the, the skills yourself for coding. But I can, I can also imagine that, you know, you go to try and get some investment money, and one question that comes back, how many apps are you competing against? And your answer is 600. <laughs> so yes. it must have been hard to... Uh, I mean, talk us through how you actually got either funding or, you you know, you got the resources to build the app in the first place.
0: Yeah. So, so my, my co-founder and I um, had done, we were entrepreneurs already, we'd done an, another company. Uh, we didn't have a lot of money. We had a little bit of, of money, uh, but we went to, we actually went to London and met with uh, a friend of ours, Fries, who is a, he's one of the founders of Skype. Mm-hmm. And, We'd worked with him previously, and we told him, you know, we have this idea. We've started building. Uh, would you be interested in joining us? Uh, you know, funding it you know, at a very, very early stage. So, so he came on board as an angel, and like the first level of funding, there uh, was very much based on us. Uh, we we had a very limited product at that point uh, that we could show him. He, he said, you know, I've seen you guys build stuff before. I believe you guys can build this. Uh, so that was that was an early thing. What I usually tell people is that uh, uh, it's really hard to get an investment into ideas. Uh, You've got to build something. You know, it doesn't have to be something fancy, just show that you you have the resource to build something. Uh, So I think that's very, very important. Um, The reason why we kept getting funding and and we've now raised uh, $37 million, so we've raised quite a substantial amount of money. Um, yeah, it's a couple. Of things. first of all, we kept showing traction. We, kept, we keep growing and growing and growing. and um, in the past two years, we've been the complete category leader and that changes the position completely. So so make sure if you can become the category leader or like a clear challenger just get your bite of the cake if the, if the cake is big enough. That makes things a lot easier. But um, you know it's about growth, having as many people engaged as possible. Uh, we talked a little bit about revenue. Um, we always saw that as something that was going to be important for us. But in the early stage, it's about building a product that, that the investors, everybody see, wow, people like this product, they want to use it. And if you have that like as a, a, as a fundamental, uh, the, the commercial side, the making money can come later. Uh, at least for us, um, we always saw like the marketplace, the wine marketplace as something that it was going to be later. Uh, buying one. And it was pretty obvious to all the investors, like, you you build this, the world's largest community, we will definitely figure out how to put a marketplace on top of that. After. So that made a lot of sense. It might not be true. It's not true for all apps, but a general rule, you know, get traction, get people to use it, and then try and figure out how to make money after like, you know, something like Snapchat, as an example, you know, they managed just to get a lot of people engaged and so on. Now they're starting to to monetize a little bit on that. So it's different ways, but, you know,
1: get an audience and, and, and take it from there. Uh, and uh, you mentioned the co-founder of Skype and he's been on the show, it was uh, episode 500 for anyone who's interested in that story uh, of Skype. And uh, I just wanted to mention that. You, you also mentioned that uh, focus is incredibly important. And, you know, there's so much information that we get on apps now, downloads, Uh, average uh, user uh, sessions and stuff. So is there a particular metric that, uh, you know, you could share with us that's important to you and and others should sort of focus on this metric, uh, a particular metric that's like really important?
0: Yeah, let's start with a few metrics that maybe aren't as important. Uh, I think uh, pretty often that that, uh, some people call it vanity metrics and we use them a lot. It's like, hey, how many downloads have you had? And it sounds amazing. Um, but, but really what you want to do is how many people are using the app right now, uh, for a game that could be daily active or something else, it could be weekly active or monthly active, you know, DAOs, Wows or Mouse, whatever they call it. And that's really what's important because that shows that, Hey, people like this app and they really want to use it. So, so those metrics are much more important than, uh, than any other metrics. So, so that's really what we're, um, what we're going for. It's, it's, if you take something like downloads, you can, you know, you can get a lucky break, you have an amazing article on CNN, and you get a few hundred thousand downloads in three weeks. But that just shows the power of your PR. It could be that nobody used the product after two weeks, and then you really don't have an audience. So uh, so be careful with those vanity metrics. They can, uh, They can be a little bit tricky.
1: Yeah, one of the biggest challenges that I'm pretty sure that a lot of the listeners have is that just this obsession with trying to get downloads and you're competing against, you know, a million-odd uh, other apps. And, and what I'm, I'm inspired by your story, Heine, is that, you know, you've gone in and you've competed with, as you say, 600 other apps. Uh, and that could have been quite demoralizing, but you focused on the users, you focused on uh, the retention, getting people back to the app. And clearly that long-term strategy has paid off for you now because you're the biggest wine app. Uh, but there must have been some big sort of challenges along the way. Can you think of anything you learned as you were building this successful app that maybe you could share for others to, to try and avoid the the pitfalls that maybe you you uh, had along the way?
0: Yes, definitely. Uh, I think, you know, one thing uh, that I really think is important and, and a lot of people sort of... Uh, Don't think as much about is that this is uh, there are no easy you know there are no easy startups there are no easy apps you know doing a fart app is not going to be big right now and that that time is over so it's going to be take a lot of work it's going to take a lot of time and in our case you know we started in 2010 uh, we did a very early beta in in early 11 it wasn't until like mid 12 we started to take off and. and that's really something to have in mind, is that it, it, it takes time, it takes stamina, and you've got to keep going. It doesn't mean you should keep going if you have something that is a bad idea or so. But even with the vena, which we know now is a pretty good idea, it still takes time. So, so you know, have patience. And then again, this is a little bit of a, a double thing, because I don't, I'm not patient at all. Uh but but just in sit there, just push, 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 but still have patience, right? So it's a kind of a weird thing. Um that you 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 know be super impatient but still have patience, however if that makes any sense at all. Um because it's gonna take a long
1: time. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really challenging, isn't it? Because I, I want to try and give the genuine like guidance to all those who aspire to have like a successful app. and you know here uh, a lot of the founders, pretty much everyone that's been on this show has had huge success uh, but but you know we we're, we're here and we're competing against millions of other apps, and it's hard to know to, uh, whether to be patient or whether to just throw the towel in and 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 kind of follow another idea because there's like millions of ideas as well every day. Uh, but you managed to stay the course. Uh, I just wanted wondered, how, how hard is it to stay focused on one thing, uh, you know, over years and years and years?
0: I think, actually, I think it's very hard. I think, um, uh, so I've, I've learned that throughout the years that, that, that I have to do that. And my co-founder ties too. Uh, so we keep each other, you know, check for whatever and just you know keep an eye on it. I think that's been very, very important for us. That that if I get a stupid idea, he's definitely gonna challenge me on it. And if he gets something, you know, less than brilliant, I'm definitely gonna challenge him on it. So um so I think that's been important for us that that you know we gotta stay focused. And this is what doing a startup is it's about having priorities and only doing the most important things because there's gonna be so much noise. And let me give you an example of that, is that you know, we're a, we're a high profile, we're a brand today. Like people have heard about Reno all over the world and people think we're a big company, uh, which we, you know, in an app company, we're, we're kind of a big company. But it also means that you're going to get calls from Google and Samsung and Amazon and all these people, they all want to work with you and do something nice. And these guys have a lot of resources. They can suck the research out of you, not on purpose. They're not trying to hurt you. But just the way they do things can really, really slow you down. So you're going to have to sometimes say to Amazon or Sony or somebody, you know, thank you very much for calling. We're extremely focused. We don't have time to deal with this right now. And that's a hard thing to do uh, because you feel flattered. Like, you know, it's not going to be Jeff Bezos calling, but, but it, it, it's going to be someone from Amazon. And we've done projects, as an example, with Amazon. Uh, we were a part of their Amazon Fire phone. Uh, I like the fact that. When Jeff Bezos uh, pitched the film, he had a full slide about Vivino, and I still use that once in a while. So, so that is cool. But we did invest resources into that relationship, and uh, and the phone, of course, didn't didn't do a lot. It's it's just an example. Uh, you get extremely flattered when all these companies call, but be very careful. Be very selective. There's a reason why they called you because they're interested in working with you. Um, so just be careful. Don't use too many resources. On it. Stay on. Stay on the track and focus on what's most important, your the, the users and their product.
1: Uh, I'll tell you, you mentioned Jeff Be- Bezos, but I, I bet you he's using the app <laughs> to figure out the wine he should have. I think uh, he should. Do you, do you know if you have any high profile other users of the app?
0: We definitely do. So we, um, so we. one of the, the, the people that holds us become an investor here is uh, an appearance of basketball, Carmelo Anthony from, from the New York Knicks who just moved to Oklahoma City he's he's quite big over here but he's made a small investment because he just loves the app very much and and we've seen a lot of NBA players that, that use the app
1: <laughs> yeah uh, so and and how have you managed to stay sober all these years see, that's <laughs> all, the, all the market research
0: exactly um <laughs> well you have to it's, it's a lot of hard work but no yeah I you know I, I, we get invited to a lot of stuff let me put it that way so uh, gotta be careful now
1: so, so what's your proudest moment then over these all these years? And, you know, you must have had a proud moment when you found that you're the world's biggest wine app. But was there a particular moment that stands out for you that you kind of could sit back, have a really beautiful bottle, bottle of wine and celebrate that you've made it?
0: I, I really want to celebrate every all the successes and, and so on, but sometimes we do forget it. I think, you know, when it comes to what I really want to do in life is build something that people like, you know, I'm not motivated by money as others might be so I want to build something that people like and use uh, so so really I I would, I would just when people come up to me and say they love the app and they use it and it happens fortunately quite a lot I think that's really like we built something that's now part of millions of people's lives I'm I'm, I'm humbled by that. I think that is fantastic.
1: Have you ever had a situation where you're in uh, some supermarket or some um, restaurant and you see someone pulling out your app and you just have to go over and say, hey, I, by the way, I built that? <laughs>
0: I've, I've, I've never done that. Oh, yes, it happens all the time. So I'll tell you a story. This is back in 2012, 13. Um, we had a, you know, Apple, uh, well, back in the day, was very, very important, the App Store, and, you getting good positioning there and so on. Uh, and we didn't have a, any special relationship with Apple back then. We're, we're closer now. Um, but this is back in Copenhagen, and we have, uh, we're have at a restaurant, and we had invited this Apple guy out um, just to get a little bit closer uh, to them. And uh, I made sure it was a five-course five menu, so we had them for some time. But no, and this wasn't staged at all, but we actually had people just you know next to us starting using the app. And I think that kind of impressed them with pretty good timing. Uh, So so that was cool. Like, we could really use it there. But it's fun to see. We see it. I see quite a lot
1: of instruments as well. Yeah, yeah, you you sort of, you reminded me of uh, the guest I had on the show, Dennis Tan, who's the founder of Orderella. And uh, his proudest moment was seeing someone use the app in a conference that he was at. And I, and I love the fact that you reiterated uh, that you're not motivated by money. So many founders come on the show and that's not their sort of main uh, priority or their main motivation. And, and the App Store does attract very passionate uh, startup founders who are motivated by something else other than money. And that's lovely to hear. Uh, so so we're, we're getting to the end of uh, the show, unfortunately, and uh, I just love the fact we've gone through your journey. Um, just before we wrap it up, uh, there are people that listen to this show who are in two minds. One, whether to uh, stay in a career or, or actually then jump ship and go into a, the world of startups. You talked about how hard work it is, how you know long term it can be, uh, has it been worth it for you? And would you recommend this as a uh, as a life for uh, those who are sitting on the fence determining whether they should jump into the startup world or not?
0: I think, first of all, has it been worth it? Yes, absolutely. Um, when it comes to jumping into it, I think uh, I, I got to be honest you that it's not for everybody. Uh, but at the same time, if you keep talking, you I got to do this, I got to do this, well, I can tell you that my philosophy is uh, sort of a no-regret philosophy, you know, I'm not going to sit there as a 75-year-old, you know, thinking, hopefully a little bit long, uh, but but thinking, I regret that I didn't do this. Like, if if you think about something, well, you've you got to do it. Um, this actually is no-regret, it's another thing of Jeff Bezos' philosophy. It's just, you know, I don't want to have regrets about these things, and I'm, you know, we've we've taken some big jumps in life. Where I uh, moved from Europe in 2013 with, with a family and three children, and so on. And and that's definitely a jump that's not easy to do. So, uh, but we wanted to do it. It's been amazing for us. You know, it's just we're just very privileged if we can do these things. And and I, for me, definitely do it. But of course, it's not for everybody. But you know, you don't want to sit there uh, as an old woman or an old man and have too many regrets. That's my thing.
1: And you, you want to have a nice glass of wine in your hand as well, I should think. Uh, is, is there any big plans for the future then? Any other projects you've got going on that you, you want to talk about? Uh, that um, but, you know, Obviously, you've got, you've got the app, but uh, are you looking at the virtual reality space? I can imagine walking around with a headset, looking at the Vivino app and figuring out what wine to have. Yeah,
0: there are definitely some of those projects that are coming. I think we, we probably wanted to wait a little, have the it be a little bit more mature. And one thing that we focus a lot on now is the what you also mentioned, like buying through the app, and, and that's one thing. But getting to a point where we're using AI and machine learning to really figure out what you should buy, we find that fascinatingly interesting uh, because nobody's ever had a collection of wine data and user data before, so nobody's really been in a position to do that. We think we can crack, crack that nut, so. So we can recommend you an amazing wine
1: that you didn't know you you were gonna love. I love that idea. Yeah, we're get, getting uh, robots to determine what uh, what we should drink. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Fantastic, Heinie. Um, uh, just uh, so that we can. Uh, make it easy anyone listening to this can go to theappguy.co and search for uh, episode 538 there'll be show notes and links to the app where you can download it please do download and, and leave a review for Heini it's uh, it's always great when uh, listeners of the show can like leave positive reviews uh, Heini, how can best um, people sort of connect with the, you or um, Vivinia? what's the best way of uh, reaching out?
0: Yeah so so the app is available in the in the app store and in, in google play um and also you can go to vino.com
1: where all the uh, where all the the wine data that's available too yeah that's V I V-I-V-I-N-O, V I N O com. wonderful well listen thanks for coming on the show uh, all the best I've, I've sat here and uh Uh, I'm now going to go and get my uh, glass of wine and uh, celebrate. But uh, appreciate you coming on and sharing your wonderful, inspiring story with us.
0: Thank you very much. It was a pleasure.